Hello, and welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. We have another exciting podcast for you today. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to an episode of Dialogues in Dermatology. This is Dr. Emily Newsom. I'm a dermatologist and Mohs surgeon at UCLA. And today we're going to be talking about the evolving role of social media for dermatologists. And our guest is Dr. Joyce Park, who is a board-certified dermatologist based in the Seattle, Washington area, also known as T with MD on social media. She is an social media expert as well as a media expert. She attended college and medical school at Stanford and did her dermatology residency at NYU. She's been involved in many different media outlets and is um, involved on social media as well. And I'm really excited to have a talk with her about some of the changes and the evolution of social media for the dermatologist today. So welcome, Dr. Park. Thank you so much, Dr. Newsom. I am excited to be here. And I think we're going to have a great conversation today about how social media has really been changing the game for our field. Definitely. I think this is going to be a great episode. So I wanted to ask you, what do you think some of the benefits are in kind of the way that social media has been changing as far as how dermatologists have been using it in the last few years? Yeah, I think that social media has been doing just so much within our field and specifically in dermatology more so than in other like less procedural or maybe less visual fields on the internet. So I think one way that social media can really be used readily by dermatologists is for raising their brand awareness and also to recruit patients to come see them in their practice. I have seen a lot of different dermatologists use Instagram and even TikTok to recruit patients, whether that's through education, sharing what they do in their office, or maybe sharing befores and afters of patient photos or of of procedures they've done or cosmetic procedures or surgeries that they've done on patients. Those are all ways that they can kind of educate the public about what they are doing specifically in their practice. I know some dermatologists have really grown their practices just by advertising online, whether that's advertising organically or even putting paid dollars behind their content to reach a wider audience. So definitely social media can be a very useful tool for practices to grow their patient population. Okay, interesting. So Yeah, we know that dermatologists have been using social media for a while to grow their practices, but I thought it was really interesting how you mentioned brand awareness. So do you feel that the patients are getting to know the dermatologist, what their areas of expertise are, what sort of procedures they do before they even go for a consult? I think when patients come in to see dermatologists, they like to know a little bit more about their doctor, such as where you trained, where you're from, where you grew up, maybe a little bit about your family. When patients come to see me, sometimes they say, oh, you know, I also lived in New York, or I also have a son or daughter around similar age as you. And I think it helps the patient feel more connected to the doctor. But beyond that, Also, we're all dermatologists and we're all trained in basic dermatology, but each of us usually have some sort of expertise within the field, whether that's cosmetics or you may be really, really good at hair loss or an acne expert. And I think 
social media can be a great tool for you to showcase that expertise so that your patients can find you, especially if they need your help with that particular area. So it's a great way to share that about yourself. That's great. Yeah. I think patients definitely want to connect. They feel vulnerable and they want to connect with their doctor to uh, make them more comfortable. I totally agree with that. So I wanted to talk about something else. So you mentioned education, or maybe we talked about it before we got on, but what do you think the role is for social media in patient education and public health, basically? I think educating the public about Skin health and dermatology is one of the biggest reasons why I got into social media in the first place. The reason for that is there is so much misinformation about medical knowledge in general, but also about dermatology and skin health floating around on social media platforms. If you surf TikTok or Instagram, you'll just be inundated with bad information and trends and practices that are frankly very dangerous for the skin. So I think as dermatologists, if you're willing to create content and put yourself out there, there is a huge need for evidence-based, science-backed, accurate medical information for the lay public to receive. I did a lot of education on social media about skin cancer, about the importance of sunscreen, about how to choose your skincare products, what kind of moles look dangerous. You can educate in a way that is not specific to one person because obviously we don't want to be providing individualized medical advice to strangers on the internet, but you can provide general knowledge that you would be sharing anyways. Like for example, in your practice through pamphlets and things like that, you can do that through social media and reach a much wider audience. And I found that the appetite for skincare knowledge and knowledge about dermatology is huge and growing over the years. In fact, there's a whole like area on TikTok called Skin Talk where people just want to talk about skincare and dermatology. So it's quite fascinating to me that skincare has become this fascination, this huge fascination for people young and old alike, and they want to consume it through social media. Interesting. Where on the internet are patients and the public consuming the content about dermatology and skincare? I think patients are finding information about dermatology and skincare in a lot of different places. I think Instagram, YouTube, TikTok for the younger generation, those are all areas people go to. And then of course there's Twitter, there's blogs. So there's really... Facebook, every single platform you can imagine, I can think of a dermatologist who's on there providing this valuable and free content. Interesting. Yeah. I've seen also there's these Reddit forums where people talk about That's right. Yeah. So which platforms are you on now? Where can we find you? I started off with a blog on teawithmd.com and then I started up an Instagram where, you know, every platform is different. I feel like Instagram, it used to be more into static images, and then you can put a lot of text in the caption with information and knowledge for the lay people to learn about skincare and derm. And then more recently, last year, maybe two years ago, I'm forgetting now, the years are all blurring together. I started on TikTok 
And that's more of a short form video content platform where you can educate through trends. And that has been a really interesting way to reach the younger generation. I would say my audience is very different on each of the different platforms. Mm. Age ranges probably like 25 to 40 plus on Instagram, whereas on TikTok, it's more teens and early 20s. So mm. I think each platform serves a different purpose and allows you to reach a different demographic. Interesting. That's really interesting. So basically, you started out with the blog and then you moved to Instagram, which is kind of more mid 20s to 40s, and then TikTok, which is more teens and 20s. That's uh, right. And the information that I try to share can be tailored to each platform as well. Mm-hmm. So on Instagram, more about, for example, like anti-aging or mm-hmm. pregnancy and breastfeeding safe skincare. Whereas on TikTok, it's more about the dangers of using indoor tanning boots, the importance of wearing sunscreen and talking more about skincare trends that I'm seeing in the younger generation. Maybe more acne in the younger Definitely, definitely a lot more acne content too. And keratosis pilaris is a popular topic on TikTok as well. Interesting. So you mentioned the trends. So what are these trends and can you give any tips on someone who wants to get involved and how do you put a dermatology spin on like a TikTok trend or Instagram trend? So I think one part of it is that you actually have to spend a lot of time yourself on these platforms to figure out what type of content clicks with people and what these trends even are. You can do trending videos according to sound, or there are these trends where people do certain actions and you can use that trend, but put a dermatologist spin on it. Hmm. Um, But I think the biggest thing in order to get started is to actually consume the content on that platform yourself. Mm -hmm. So you get a good sense of what type of content exists out there, what type of content works, and then find your niche and start creating content that way. Interesting. Okay, cool. So when you're creating this content and then you're connecting with other, obviously it's social media, it's social. So what kind of benefits as far as community, whether it's with patients or with other dermatologists, colleagues, friends, how do you think the community aspect is beneficial? Yeah, that's a great question because when I started my journey on social media, I really did not expect to build a community that way. I didn't even think that that was going to be one of the benefits. But now I would say that's one of the biggest benefits for me because I've gotten to know a lot of my colleagues who are dermatologists through social media. And a lot of us feel like we know each other, even though we haven't actually met in person yet. But we collaborate on content creation. We collaborate on research papers. I've introduced students of mine to various colleagues through social media so that they can work on projects together and the students can get letter of recommendations. And then I wanted to talk a little bit too about my work with medical students and residents through Mm -hmm. social media. So when the pandemic began, I received a lot of panicked emails and messages from students who had their research electives canceled, or they were just having difficulty finding mentors because of the pandemic. And so I thought, why don't we leverage social media and build these virtual research groups? So I published a post on Instagram saying I was open to mentoring and doing research with students. And I got such an overwhelming response (laughs) from students and even some residents 
that I created four different groups of four to five students each. And for each group, we brainstormed research ideas. We actually did the projects. We wrote the papers and we got the papers published. And that has been just a truly amazing way for me because, you know, I always thought that the only way you can be a mentor to students is to work in academia, Mm -hmm. but that's not true. Nowadays, using social media and utilizing Zoom sessions and the ability to work through email and Google Docs, we were able to pull off publications, even though I'm not in academia. And one of those students, I actually helped write her letter of recommendation and she just matched. And we just were so overjoyed. And so I was just so happy to see this outcome. Obviously, I only had a very, very small part to play in that, but it was an honor to play any part at all in any student's journey. So I think even though when I started social media, I was doing it more just for general education, I had no idea the type of community that it would allow me to be a part of and also now create as well with trainees. That has been really special. That's amazing that you're able to mentor that many students. I mean, that's incredible. Even in academia, it's hard to even work with that many students. So good for you and good for you being creative about finding sort of an outside of the box way to mentor students. I think that's really, really awesome. And I honestly wish I could do more like with these students, they were so brilliant and hardworking and, you know, they worked so well on the the projects. And I was hoping that we could even create a mentorship community where then the students that I've worked with before can then go on to residency and then help mentor other students coming up after them. But um, yeah, it's time consuming, but it's one of the ways that I think social media can be very rewarding. So on the topic of mentorship, what do you think about sort of the pipeline? I mean, I know we, you know, we want to have more diversity in dermatology and a lot of that is with the pipeline from medical school, but even from high school or college pre-med. So how do you think just seeing dermatologists of color, just seeing, you know, young women dermatologists or really anyone, how do you think that impacts sort of the pipeline and pre-meds or even high school students that may be interested? I think it's so important for medical students, even undergrads and residents to see attending dermatologists who look like them. Mm -hmm. And social media has been, I think, very instrumental in helping to connect trainees with dermatologists and role models who can help mentor them. So there is an Instagram account called Black Derm Directory Mm -hmm. that features African-American dermatologists. And then there's a similar one for Hispanic dermatologists, I believe, that also posts about resources and scholarships and research programs. And I think these accounts are wonderful. I mean, they're a way for students to get connected to mentors, but also learn about programs and opportunities and funding that are created to help them in their journey. I think knowing what to do or having someone you can ask those questions to is so incredibly important. It gives you such a leg up for your application. And we, we all know, you know, being dermatologists, it is an extremely competitive field mm-hmm. to get into. And having a mentor who's been through it, mm-hmm. who can answer questions for you and share their journey with you is just so, so important. So I think social media can 
help really. I think it can really help accelerate and increase diversity in our field, which is very much sorely needed right now. Yeah, definitely. Wow. That is so awesome. I mean, I was thinking about, you know, how social media might be able to reach patients that may not necessarily have access, but it also is going to help us with increasing diversity in our field. That is really No, you're so right too. Patients, thinking of it from that perspective, patients can find information about skin conditions that they may not have known. I mean, they might not be able to see, not everyone has access to a dermatologist, right? And so being able to get some of that knowledge and being able to take that back to their primary care doctor, or even being able to say, hey, I think I need to see a dermatologist for this condition. That can be life-changing. Definitely, definitely. And it's life-changing for the patient. And then it's also key to combat a lot of the misinformation that's out there. Right. So let me just ask you, we've gone over a lot of benefits like patient recruitment, practice brand awareness, education, mentorship, community, benefits to increasing diversity in our field. I'm just so impressed with you. I'm really inspired. This conversation is inspiring me. How do you do it? I mean, how much work is involved? How do you balance? I know you're a mom, you're building your own practice. How do you do it? Honestly, I'm so impressed. (laughs) That's very kind of you to say. I always feel like I'm not doing enough, to be totally honest with you, because social media is incredibly time consuming. It's something that you can be working on endlessly. You know, you could be creating content at all hours of the day and night. And we all know that the more you engage on the platform, the more people are going to see your content and the more your followers are going to engage with you in return. And so I think it's something where you could spend limitless time on. (laughs) So I think what has helped is coming up with content ideas. Whenever an idea for making a video or post strikes, I will jot it down in my notes or write it on a piece of paper. And then a couple times a week when I have time, I will actually just batch film all the content together because it's just way too tiring to try to film something every time I think of an idea. So I try to batch content film. I also try to tell my husband, you know, you need to watch the baby for this amount of time because I need to work on my social media. And to be totally honest, I always feel a little bit silly saying that because social media, sometimes it feels like a hobby to me, but I think it has grown into much more than that. I think Mm -hmm. the community that I've built there, the students that I work with and the partnerships that I've created with brands, it really is a business for me now. And so it complements my practice, which I'm trying to build and establish now that I've moved to Seattle. So I think it's all about time management, getting help for the rest of your family, (laughs) and then working in an efficient way. I think also outsourcing things can be helpful. A lot of dermatologists ask me, should they hire someone to run their social media, like get a manager or a PR firm to run their accounts? I've never done that because my accounts are so deeply personal and I share so many stories about my family and just where I'm at, what headspace I'm in. It would be very hard for a PR firm to take over an account that's so personal like mine. However, I have seen accounts where PR firms take it over. I think that can be helpful if you just literally have no interest and no time to do it. But I think most of the time it helps show 
the person and the doctor you are better if you do a little bit of your, it yourself. Yeah. However, you can outsource other things like editing your videos or coming up with ideas, SEO, keyword search, that kind of stuff you can outsource, but coming up with the actual words or coming up with your pictures that I think it is personal. Okay. Good point. So you like to create the content yourself, but as far as editing or SEO, meaning search engine optimization, you can outsource things like that. Absolutely. Yes. I have not outsourced anything yet because I just like to be in control of everything, but I definitely this year, this is the year, Dr. Newsom, that I am going to finally (laughs) outsource things because can't do it all. You got to delegate. Yep. Busy moms. Got to delegate. Got to delegate. (laughs) As far as the content goes, how do you balance sort of making it entertaining versus making it educational? Um, Because if it's just like sunscreen, 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 it might be kind of boring. So, and I know you have like a lot of fun dances and stuff like that. So how do you kind of entice your followers by balancing that? I think one thing is taking a cue from my followers to see what they like. Mm -hmm. So on TikTok, when I started in 2020, back then the app was like, it was a dancing app. Mm -hmm. Everyone was dancing on it or telling jokes or doing little skits. And I had no idea what I was doing. I was on maternity leave at the time. And so I was home from work for a few months. And so I just started doing some little dances and then I would put dermatology info or skincare advice over the dancing. And a lot of colleagues thought I was being really silly and they thought it was just really funny and slash weird that I was doing this, but it was a way to connect with the younger generation and teach them something. Mm -hmm. So you have to meet your audience where they're at, right? Like the younger generation on TikTok is not going to want to sit and listen to a 10 minute lecture about sunscreens. You have to educate in a way that they will find entertaining. And so I've shifted from dancing because that honestly takes too much time to learn the choreography (laughs) and I don't have time to do that anymore. So I've shifted more to following trending audio, trending sounds or trending actions and skits on TikTok. And so I'll give it like a dermatology or skincare spin. And then on Instagram, similarly, I like to ask my audience what they like to hear about and how they want to hear about it. Do they want to talk about it within through a live session where they can ask questions in real time? Or do they want to see it through a Q&A session through a series of stories? Or do they want a series of posts on it? So I oftentimes will pull my audience and see, ask them what they want to see and how they want to see it. Got it. So you're kind of constantly just putting content out there, A-B testing or pulling your audience to see kind of in real time what they're interested in. Oftentimes I have no idea what will work and what won't. Right. Uh, Like I could spend an hour making a video where I'm showing, I don't know, all the different steps in your skincare routine or going over the science behind retinoid conversion. And then nobody cares that video flops or I could spend 10 seconds filming me. I don't know, eating a yogurt and then putting some skincare advice over it. And for whatever reason that might click with someone. So a lot of it too, is you don't know what will pop off and what won't. And I think that's a part of what makes it frustrating, but also kind of fun. 
So you got to just be willing just to kind of try different things and just put it exactly. Out you have to be willing to try different things and then also be consistent with it. You mm-hmm. have to publish a couple times a week. It can be hard, especially if you know, you're busy with other stuff, but that's why a lot of people will try to plan out their content and make their content on the weekends and then mm-hmm. load it all up in the platforms so that during the week you can just hit publish. So that's what I used to do back when I was working for an HMO was I would plan all the posts in advance and just load them up into Instagram so that during lunchtime, during the week, all I had to do was just hit publish. I didn't have to spend time looking for pictures or writing captions. Oh, okay. Got it. Well, that's a really good tip. Do you have any other tips for aspiring dermatology influencers or just anyone that wants to have more presence? I think being authentic can go a long way on social media. I think your audience can really see through it if they feel like you're just trying to sell something to them. Or if every single post of yours is, come see me as a patient, come see me as a patient, right? I think your followers want to build some sort of genuine connection with you. They want to get to know you as a person. And so be authentic, share parts of yourself, obviously with limits, right? One thing we didn't talk about that I think is a a big downside to social media is safety and privacy issues. I've been dealing with a lot of fake accounts that have been created using my photos. And literally every week I get reports from people who ask, hey, I've been talking to you on Facebook, Tinder, like insert whatever dating app name in there. And that has been really problematic, obviously, for my identity and just even for safety reasons. So that would probably be the biggest reason if I ever go off social media one day, that would be the reason why are the safety and privacy concerns, especially now that I have a son. Yeah. Are there any other cautions that you want to talk about regarding that? Regarding the safety or regarding just cautions or things you should consider before going on social media? Yeah. Any other cautions or considerations before going on social media? One thing I try to bring up too is, especially for medical students and trainees, I think it's really important to consider what type of content you're putting out there. Mm -hmm. So if you're a medical student, I don't think you should be giving, well, obviously you shouldn't be giving medical advice, right? right? And I think it's important to represent yourself in your stage of training. If you're a medical student, you shouldn't be making content saying that you're a doctor. Right. And similarly in residency, I think you kind of have to see how your program feels about you having a social media presence because I just don't want any trainees to get in trouble with their program Mm -hmm. because social media is still relatively new, at least to academic medicine. (laughs) And it's not always a welcome endeavor. Are there any other ethical concerns that come up with, you know, I like what you said about making sure you're representing where you are in training. I know there's, this could probably be a whole other podcast, but I just want to make sure we don't miss over anything. Yeah, I think Another one is because I have been creating content online for some time now, I get a lot of requests to do sponsored posts. Mm -hmm. And my caution would be, it doesn't matter how much money any company or brand is willing to give you. But if 
if you endorse a product that is not safe or one that isn't even scientifically backed or proven to help patients, then it's your reputation that's going to be on the line. So that's something to think about too, as I think more and more companies try to partner with doctors in advertising. It's just something to be aware of. Okay. Good point. Good point. So cautious about partnering with companies. You want to have integrity about what you're backing. Definitely. Well, I think we've touched on so many interesting topics. I know there's so much to this topic. We could probably talk all day, but is there any other points that you want to add that we didn't get to? No, I think we covered everything. If anyone's considering starting a social media account, I highly recommend just doing it. Take the plunge, join us. It's an awesome community. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was really interesting talking with you and getting kind of the behind the scenes uh, look at what goes into at Tea with MD. (laughs) Thank you so much, Dr. Newsom. Thanks for having me on the podcast. All right. Thank you. We hope you have enjoyed this edition of Dialogues in Dermatology. This is Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. For more podcasts, including bonus issues, check us out online at the website of the American Academy of Dermatology or through the Dialogues in Dermatology app. You can now also sync your subscription to your favorite podcast app. New podcasts are released each week in addition to our monthly JAD podcasts. We hope you enjoy these new options for listening to Dialogues and the increasing content for your listening pleasure. Thank you.